Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Heal the Hurt podcast. As you know, last week I left you on a bit of a cliffhanger as to... I'd ask Mike, what was the most important thing any individual needs to do to live to their full potential? Well, we're going to get started off with that. We're also going to cover lots of different topics that are incredibly deep and insightful to help you achieve your full potential and share more of our trials and tribulations of our own life. So I think you'll enjoy this as well. And you're going to walk away with a lot of skills and tools that can really help you achieve your full potential. So... Let's get right back to it. But what would you say, where does somebody start? What's like the single greatest thing they need to look at to begin with? Well, um, or, or a second question, a different question would be no matter what their struggle is, what one, what one piece has to be a part of their recovery journey? Boundaries. So codependence. I mean that, Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the problem with Tia and, and, and I'm not disparager at all. I admire her. I, I have, uh, grown immensely because of her and, um, you know, I've met her. She was in our clinic for, you know, years and years ago, 20 years ago, um, you know, doing seminars in our clinic and, and, um, had dinner with her and that kind of stuff, but is that she knows so much. It's kind of like Joel Lubar. She knows so much up here and, and she, she is an okay communicator of it, but she's, she's not, not great. great no, she, yeah, she, that's, that's <laughs> really she, would, <laughs> she would, she would, she would say the same thing. I think, you know, I, yeah. uh, I tell my wife was watching, watch their videos. I'm like, now, you're going to have to grind this out because this isn't going to right, be a pleasurable right. speaking experience. And, 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 and reading her is the same way. Yes. And, yes. um, you know, um, you know, I, I was, my wife and Pia are the same age and my wife was trained in Pia stuff too. And, um, and Patty was watching, that's my wife, uh, was watching a, a, a Pia, podcast and and it was just this kind of the same old thing uh except that you know she is so real that that's one of the beautiful things and about her and you know the the content it i mean she's got more content than than the books that would fill the earth i mean she that lady is brilliant and and but but all of this came out of her spirituality i mean she i mean she tells her story about how all this came about you know, she was working with alcoholics and drug addicts and people with personality disorders, the people that nobody can fix. Okay. And especially personality disorders. And, um, and she'd go home and vacuum and, and these thoughts would come into her head about, all right, you approach it this way, this way, this way. Now that's not graduate school. You don't learn that in graduate school. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, you don't write a doctoral thesis on that. 
um, that was uh, my experience. Or dissertation. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then she would take it back into her clinic and, and, and have people work through it. And, and from that came her model. And, and, and her model is, you know, the book Facing Codependence sort of outlines her model. And, um, and, and she talks about, you know, five adult skills. Adults can do that. They know how to, to do self-esteem. They know how to be boundaried. Uh, they know how to own their own reality. They know how to do self-care and they know how to live in moderation. Those are the five adult skills. And, um, and she starts with boundaries. Okay. And, and not boundaries like, you know, don't touch me there. Although that can be a part of boundaries. It's, it's, you know, I, you know, I have responsibility about touch and I get to determine when, where, how, what music is playing, whatever in that environment. I don't have to let you touch me. You have to ask me, you know, that that's one element, but the, the powerful element is what Pia talks about. And nobody else that talks about boundaries talk about, and that is internal boundaries. Yeah. The sense of having somewhat of a, a mirror of truth to look in. And, and, and what happens in that is that, um, First of all, you have to discern, you know, is this my stuff or is this your stuff? Yeah. Okay. So I use the tennis court and the net and I'm on this side of the net and, and you're on that side of the net. And I might've been trained to let you take all of your garbage and put it on my side of the net. Okay. Or I might've been trained to come over to your side of the net and fix you. Yeah. You know, help you with your serve, yeah. you know, but that's a boundary violation. I need to learn how to stay in my world and evaluate that. And if you dump your garbage over here, I'm just going to take it and I'm going to put it over here. I don't have to keep it. You know, it's just not mine. And the other concept of, about that is just the sense of, of, of being able to value your way, sorry, evaluate yourself in, in, in a concept of truth. And, and I, you know, that goes back to spirituality for me and, and, and being able to see yourself as truly as you can. And from that piece is what you, how you operate in the world, not what you say about me, not what my wife says about me, not what my dad said about me or my mother said about me, but what my higher power says about me. And, and how, and, and that goes, you know, that creeps into the self-esteem, you know? And, uh, so when I learn how to, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good word for it, but when, when I learn to substantially be able to operate out of this, this sense of internal boundary that where there, where truth occurs and I can differentiate myself from you, and and uh, and 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 I can observe my adaptations, and I can observe, you know, both both sides of those adaptations, both the uh, unempowered and the empowered. And then I can I, I learn to 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 live in authenticity. And when I'm learning to live in authenticity, then I can start to love myself. Okay, and self, you know, Pia says that you know self self esteem is the hard work of learning to love yourself, not because of who, not because of what you can do, 
or who you know, but because of who you are. It's about not being a human doer as a human being. And, um, and, and so those two things fit hand in hand. And then from there, you start learning about reality. There you start learning about uh, self-care. And there you start learning about moderation. That's and what my, my life changed was learning the internal boundary stuff because as you right. know, I was going through in a you know a divorce with someone who was physically and verbally abusive and would trash was always I'll never forget what you said to me because I had tremendous shame that because I was so immature and underdeveloped that the only skill I had back then to end the marriage was to have a, to hire escorts. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a way out and, and, and I didn't know this consciously, but I, I looking mm-hmm. back, see, I didn't have the awareness. I didn't have the internal a boundary and internal truth to know mm-hmm. that I was actually hiring escorts because I wanted a divorce. I didn't know. I didn't even know I wanted a divorce. I didn't even know I wanted out. I didn't, I, I was so detached from who I was. But as I started to regain that, and and I felt tremendous shame about it, I was getting in touch with the authentic self of me. And I'll never forget what you said to me. You said, Kenny, take a Labrador puppy, probably the sweetest animal in the world. And if you take that puppy and you chain it up and you leave it outside and you start it, you know, feed it, you don't pet it, you don't love it, you don't give it water. Eventually, even that Labrador puppy will bite you. And that mm-hmm. moment was the first moment I created a separation, an internal boundary around, I don't deserve to be treated that way. It was mm-hmm. that first moment of, oh my God, not condoning my actions. I can own mm-hmm. my imperfections and this was the best mm-hmm. I could do. But also... I'm a human being and I don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. That was the first break. And then I was allowed to, you know, as we would, I, I had to role play. So when she does this, I say, you know, you would model, this is how you put those boundaries mm-hmm. in place. And I do it with my clients now. And so mm-hmm. it's changed my life. I mean, with the public forum, I have the people that criticize me that don't like my style or dress or whatever. I'm able to go, okay, well, where's the truth in this? Okay. Like one guy in one of his comments, he's like, you have average wit. And I'm like, you know, he's right. I'm kind of funny, but it's, it's mostly an average funny. Like there's my brother and others <laughs> like, they're really funny. And so it's mm-hmm. like, he's going, you know, he's going on and on. He's talking about ego. And I'm like, yeah, I've struggled with ego problems. Like I could con- keep contained, love myself, accept truth that I'm imperfect in those areas, but it doesn't belittle me. It's right. just, Yes, I, we all have our strengths. Now, I have other ones, but, but these are things I work on. But I don't lose me. I, right. I stay on my side, to use your example, I stay on my side of the court, and I allow him to stay on his. He can have that reality. He can have all that. It's the net keeps us separate. And that, right. that's why, to me, and it's... We, these are things we never get taught in childhood because all of our in right. my estimation, every childhood is boundaryless because for centuries, right. we've never taught anything about how to be a parent. And even if we did, we're perfectly imperfect. 
we have all left childhood with wounds. And, and the inability for us to accept that as a society, to me, is heartbreaking. That's something I'm trying to beat down. Not to blame parents. It's not about that, but it's about to get to that reality. Because right. from there, then both child and adult, regardless of age, can make peace. But it can't be right. done until that reality is brought into it. So, so getting back to that for a second, um, you know what what is under what is foundational. I mean, boundaries is the beginning, but also working through your trauma is is also you know. Um, I have a note here. Trauma is my emphasis because it is foundational to why we don't. Uh, what? I can't remember. <laughs> I typed it. We don't. Uh, we don't grow. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, what happens is that we have holes in our boundaries. And again, this is the brilliance of Pia. Um, and, and those, those holes are people shaped or event shaped, yes. you know? And, and so if we don't work on that alongside of this, then, you know, whenever we meet the situation that reminds us of the trauma, we go back to that, that either less than person or the walled off person. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, ba- the boundaryless person, uh, you know, is, is, you know, the care, uh, taker, so to speak a, a lot of times. And, and so I don't, I don't deal with my stuff. I take care of you and, and I might take care of you by letting you abuse me. Yes. Okay. Now I don't know how many survivors I've talked to who thought they were the only one being abused when, when whoever the abuser, the perpetrator was, they were, you know, they were abusing everybody, but they, they made them feel special that they could take it. Now that's the false empowered side of, uh, of uh, abuse and boundaries. And, and so what we do is it on the false empowered side is we wall off and we think, well, I'm safe because I'm, I'm walled off. Well, the problem with a wall is you can't see reality. Okay. You see the wall. So you, you don't, you think you see reality, but, but you don't. And that means you're in deception. Okay. And if you're in deception, then you're going to get surprised. Yeah. You know, it's going to bite in the butt. It's going to come back and get you. Yeah. And, and so being behind the wall with somebody that's offensive, that, that may be appropriate temporarily, but you also need to think about if this is a, constantly an offender, do I need to be in relationship with that person? Because you can't be uh, perfectly boundaried around somebody who's an offender constantly. Okay. You know, and that's now we're talking personality disorders and, and, you know, true perpetrators in life. But, but, you know, learning that side of it was also very important to me because that's how I, I survived. I survived by walling off. I didn't feel anything. You know, I didn't think anything, you know, I just stored in my body and, and, you know, tried to be a nice guy, you know, but the reality is um, that I, I wasn't ever seeing reality. So I'm, you know, I made up all kinds of stories about my dad, you know, that he was the mayor of Knoxville. Well, he wasn't ever the mayor of Knoxville and he was the president of this and this and this, this, you know, because I wanted a dad that was real. I mean, that was good. Not the dad I had that was, the, let me say that again. I wanted a dad 
who wasn't the dad I had. I wanted a dad who was much better than that. Okay. And that, again, that's deception. I had the dad I had and he had, he had some horrible things with, with him and he had some good things with him. And I've had to make peace with both of those things, not ignore either one. Right. And so, um, and, and that was, this, you know, that's, that was what was happening in relationships too. You know, I, I'm, I heard Pia say this in that podcast. She says, you know, if you grew up with crappy parents, you probably have crappy friends and you're probably going to marry somebody who's crappy. I mean, I think that's her words, literally. <laughs> no, that's being yeah. and, 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 and I was going, you know, that's right. You know, I started attracting crappy people around me, you know, that, that look good on one, one level, but when it came to, would they, you know, have your back? Nope. So when I went through my divorce, my, you know, my only divorce, thank God I've only got divorced once. <laughs> I've been married 35 years uh, to this precious woman. But, you know, what went with my ex-wife, who, who was a wonderful person, uh, was all of, of my friends. I mean, because she was a better person than me. I mean, that's what I thought. But the really the truth of the matter is that that they were were not. I mean that they were passive aggressive, uh, and um, one of them that wasn't was the father of that girl that talked to you at the golf course. You know he was a guy who stuck in there with me and and you know continued to have a relationship with. Um. So anyway, I don't know why I went there, but <laughs> what. We're, we're in alignment because my, my personal mom experience is that the two things holding people back from the life they want are the wounds from childhood, childhood trauma, mm-hmm. and the denial. Denial is the single greatest killer on the mm-hmm. planet today, and no one's really talking about it. I, a lot of my stuff is about that, as you called it, deception. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming denial and deception we all have about the wounds of our childhood Mm -hmm. that it just, no, I grew up in a great childhood or, or is like my posts on narcissism. People like, well, it had nothing to do with their childhood. They were raised perfectly. Or even mothers will go. My son was raised perfectly. Like the the disconnect from our perfect imperfections Mm -hmm. is I, I, I kind of came to this conclusion. It was something I'd never said until recently. I went, someone had commented along those lines that it's genetic and Bruce Lipton, you know, the science genes get turned on by environment. You're not, you know, so all of that, it's all that it's predetermined is hogwash. It's childhood environment. That's it. Nothing else. And, and so I was having a discussion with someone and I will, if they're polite, if, if they're in that abusive place, they're, I'm not going to stand in front of that. I'll stay on my side of the tennis court and let them have their reality and all of that. But I was like, do you, do you recognize it? It just hit me in the moment of what you're implying and what you're saying is that there was nothing ever wrong in your childhood. That means you feel you were raised by what people term a God, a perfect human being. Are mm-hmm. Are you aware of that? I've never heard of a perfect human being. Is it possible mm-hmm. you were raised by one? 
But that's... <laughs> Could you introduce me to that person? <laughs> but that, that's the position. Right. Or, and, and they right. won't even get to the place of minimization of, well, they did some things, but it doesn't matter. They're steadfast. No. What are your thoughts on hard no? No. Well, you know, that, and, and that is... That is exactly what I'm talking about, about being walled off. I mean, you're living in deception because you're afraid that, and, and, it, and it's, the, it's the dual world of, of this type of codependence or immaturity uh, it, that, you know, you, 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 wall, you wall off and you live in denial, but inside you're scared to death to know the truth because then it must mean I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't want to be a piece of shit. So I'll make up this world that is a, a, a fake world. And, and I'll go, Oh yeah, I was, you know, I did the same thing. Everybody does that. Sure. You, yeah. you did it too. You know, and, and I still and, do it. Like it never, I, it never ends. There's right, still right. aspects I mean, on doing it, of course. Right. You know, you don't want to tell, you know, everybody, you know, when you're talking about your life that, you know, well, a good part of it had some pretty shitty things in it. But excuse my, my French, as they say. Uh, mierda is my French uh, person would say. Uh, mierda. Anyway, um, but but see that, you know, that's that's where the boundary thing comes into play because if you're learning in truth, I mean, you, you have to process through this, but if, if you, if, if you learn about the truth of yourself, that you have inherent value because of who you are. Yes. Okay. Not because of what you know, not because of what you do, not because of who's your friend, but who you are. I, you I equate it to this. You had said to me for years, Kenny, when can you learn to just be? And I never understood that. I, you know, because I, I remember I'd volunteered at a prison to start talking, to go in and talk to people in the prison. And you're like, man, you just keep doing. I wonder, you know, when you're going to be able to just be. And I was like, well, and, and the concept made sense to me when I could finally sit still in pure quiet, no phone, no TV, no music nothing. And I enjoyed, I felt the sense of warmth, safety, mm -hmm. comfort, and bliss. Just being with me. Right. I, I'm an okay person. And so I, you know, I, I'm single. I take myself out on dates. Mm -hmm. I like going out with me. <laughs> you know, I just do. And mm -hmm. that, that to me, that's when I got, oh, that's the beingness of Pia, of you, you know, all this stuff. It, it finally settled in. I can be right. me. Well, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, uh, first of all, I want to say, I uh, apologize to Pia. This is, this is my interpretation of, of your work, and I'm so grateful to you for all your work and and, but it's been regurgitated and, and, you know, mixed into my life. And, and I think that's what you would want me to do with it. But, and same thing with you. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the, the other side of that is that, um, you know, I, you know, I realized that when I was younger, most people thought I was an extrovert. 
and I'm not. I'm an introvert. And, and what, what we're talking about here, folks, is that an extrovert gets energized by being around lots of people, okay, and lots of activity. An introvert is drained by that. Now, I can go and, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician. I used to play all the time, and then I would play, you know, to a 1,000 people. And I'd go home and I'd want to sit in front of my computer or I'd want to go to bed or whatever because I'd be so drained. I loved it, but it would drain me because I'm an introvert. I, I uh, energize by alone time. Now, it wasn't until I got to this piece that we're talking about where I could be alone because I was always afraid to be alone because I was afraid of what the, my thoughts were were saying about me and they weren't positive thoughts. The other other point is that yes, there is that warm exception of ourselves that happens. And and it's imperfect too, by the way. And um, it and vacillates. It yeah. vacillates. It's substantial. It's okay that it vacillates. Right, right. And it and, and it's a and it's a process of growth. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're in a process, you know, one of the things I've probably said to you a hundred times is, you know, Kenny, you, you've got to accept that this is a process. You're not going to get fixed today. It's a process. Be committed to the process of growing and maturing, you know, and, and you'll get there. And you I have to tell a story about that. I want you to finish. But okay. Go ahead. But, but the other thing, and I think it's one of the things that we're so afraid of is that when we, face the reality from behind the wall, there's grief and sadness. And that's okay. Yes. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad that, that it wasn't perfect, that you're not perfect. You can then embrace what it really was. And, and you know, not everybody's grown up with, you know, psychopaths. But even if you did, that doesn't mean that you don't have value. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't have, you know, it was a, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and I was thinking about their, their history and it was just horrible. And, and they're one of the best fathers. This guy is one of the best fathers I've ever known. And he didn't have a father. His father was a psychopath, uh. literally. A, you know, a murderer. And this guy's con, you know, he was, he's been a client for years and he came back and just wanted to process some things. And, 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 and he was going, how could my dad be like that? And I go, I don't know. How could you be so different? You know, you chose to grow and look and look who you are. Look at your children. And the same thing. I didn't grow up in the most wonderful family. I'm a great dad. I have raised three men, and they're great men. They're not perfect men, but they're great men. And and they're men that are growing and changing. They're not stagnant. You know, they're not perfect, but they're great men. You know, I love them all dearly. And, And that comes from you being able to make peace with your history, you know, and you cannot, if you're in denial, you will never grow. You will never change until you get in enough pain that you'll go, 
F word. I've got to, I got to do something here yeah. or, or I'm going to die. And a lot and some people die yeah. or they get divorced and divorced and divorced. And, and, you know, yeah. but, but what do you want? But even, you know, I can remember times in, you know, in our sessions where you stare, share stories of your imperfection as a father, but mm-hmm. it was, but it was your, you know, that's I what, had to yeah, when it was what taught me how to make amends to my children. Right. Like, okay. Like, as young kids, like, I personally believe if you're not making amends one to three times a day with your kids, you're not present. Right. You're just not present as a parent because you're not right. seeing how perfectly imperfect you are and how you lose your cool here and are dismissive there. And these little subtle things that leave these little psychic wounds in our kids. And it's not to say I'm a bad person. It's, but see, with denial, you, you're right. You go into that shame piece. And I'm, oh, I can't admit it. I'm terrible. And I, but when you do, you know, the work, the reclamation work, it's actually emboldening. It's like, God, I love myself. I own, I own my imperfection. And that's why yeah. I'm such a proponent of what I call the darkness or many other terms of imperfection. But that's where peace is. It's the, it's right. the acceptance. That is all of me. Right. Both. Neither is better than the other. It's the completeness of the two that make the whole of me. And so much of recovery or what people try to do is, you know, I can't remember who said it, but we're born a person. And because of the wounds of childhood, we develop personalities. And then what most people try and do is suppress the personalities that are so-called bad, that, you know, the shame-based, this is bad. And then they're like, I'm going to lead with this and just be this. And no, that's not recovery. Recovery is it, the integration of both, accepting mm-hmm. these, and then learning to temper with moderation and things that, wait a minute, if you fully get out, that's not a benefit to all of us, but you, you are accepted because that's mm-hmm. just your pain, you know, and, but it's that suppression, I'm, I'm bad, that, that's not recovery. Mm-hmm. Recovery has to include the love and adoration of our perfect imperfections that is fulfilled with shame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to tag on something you said a minute ago, because you you used the word darkness and being walled off and in denial is a life of living in darkness. I mean, that's what deception is. It's not knowing you think, you know, the truth and you don't. Okay. And I've been deceived in my life, believe me. <laughs> and I thought I knew what I was going, and I was wrong, and and I didn't, and and it was because I was walled off, and I wasn't willing to look at, I wasn't willing to look at life in the light. Yes. And so what we're talking about is a life that's living in the light. And is there scary things about that? Yes. Is there sad things about that? Yes. But there's also joy and life, and peace. Yes. And, and in my life experience, when I made peace with the shame-based part, not the lying part of the darkness, not the avoidance part, but the broken pieces of the darkness, of how awful I can be. Not because I'm bad, but because that's part of life's journey. Because you know, I made What's that? Because I'm hurt. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
that it, it was the reclamate. That's when joy hit for me. And that took, mm-hmm. you know, the second marriage, the divorce, the suicide stuff, that, that level of pain right. broke the look, the piece of darkness I wasn't going to let go of was control. Right. I had to have it because I was trying to mitigate the pain, but it was or the facade of control. Exactly. Yes. That's what, you know, no, I'll be out in front and all this stuff. And it was like, no, it's killing me. I, this is the one thing I haven't let go of. I've got to drop it. Now, do I still grab back at it? You bet I do. It's a constant look. It was, is you, now this, this is a perfect time for the story. <laughs> because everyone wants the journey to be over. Every new client I get, every university student, you know, they're like, when's this going to be over? When do I arrive? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I remember coming into you, it was probably somewhere two to four months into the process. And I was learning about boundaries and everything. I came screaming into the office. And I'm like, gosh, what's, this is just driving me crazy. You're like, what's going on? And I said, well, I know all about boundaries. And I'm driving up here and there's a guy driving too slow in the left lane. And I'm screaming at him, trying to control him. And I know I'm supposed to have boundaries. Like I'm spew- I'd learned all the vernacular and everything, but I couldn't contain myself. And I'm like, that's just so stupid. I should be able to do it. Why can't I do it? Like I should get this figured out, you know? And you just sat there and you laughed at me. And you said, Kenny, how old are you? And I think I was 38 at the time. And you said, so how many years have you live this other way with this coping skill and the set of beliefs and ideas about 38 years right so you think that after 30 years of repetition two to four months whatever it's been it's going to be gone and then i asked you well how long do you think it'll take and you said oh three to five years. And without hesitating, I dropped a big F you. <laughs> Cause I wanted it now. Like what? Three to five years. I figured I had a month or two left and I'm done. Like I'm, I'm healed. Well, it, the, as it turns out, it was 12 years. It was getting to the suicide, you know, yeah. that for the first time I, I call it getting to the other side. And I remember having a vision when I first started working with you of I'm climbing this mountain and I will get to the other side. I remember like I, those first initial days of the process, I knew it. Well, I didn't know it'd take me 12 years to land on that sense of, Oh, it's a journey. It's okay. And now I don't, I don't know that everyone else will take that long or longer or whatever, but it does take a while to get the acceptance of it's, this is, this is now the joy of life. It's all of it. Mm-hmm. And this, that climb up the hill, you're still trying to avoid it. You're missing the joy in the darkness. You're lear- trying to learn how to make peace with it and eventually right. get over that side. And that for me well, took me 12 years. What was it for you? Do you remember that day? Did you? Well, I, I'm day? just glad I didn't say what I think today. <laughs> I don't know what Because I would say today, the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, Again, we're not talking about a fix. We're talking about a process of growth and maturity. And so I'm still, you know, I'm still growing and learning. And do we have epic moments? Yes. And those epic moments are foundational to, to being at learning how to embrace the, who we are. Um, 
and differentiate who we are from other people, all, all that stuff. But it's, you know, and, and so what was your term? You at 12 years, you got to the, the other, I just call it the other side, the other side. Yeah. Right. And, and the thing that I, I want to comment to that I, I really appreciate is, is your mountain is, and this is the thing I saw on you mm-hmm. is that you were determined to climb the mountain. Now what most people do is go around the mountain, same level over time. And, and they just repeat the same thing over and over and over until they either get in enough pain that they've got to do something different, you know, because they're doing the same things over and over, expecting different results. And what do they say about that? Since the definition of insanity. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, do I want to keep doing the same things and expecting different results or do I want to learn how to do it differently? And that's the thing that I saw in you that you, you, you said, you know, I want to be over that mountain in two months, but, but you were climbing the mountain. You were climbing to I've get always, over that mountain. It's the, the, the affirmation that's the most positive of myself, the, the piece of myself I'm the most proud of or the most in, have the most endearing feeling towards myself for is, one, I'm willing to do the work. It's kind of a combination. I'm willing to do the work, and I love to be called out on my bullshit. I love to have my denial and my the 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 death of darkness how i'm in deception pointed out to me because when i can see that it gives me a choice and from there i can get into truth i can put a planet i can turn it around and so you know when i get those nasty comments online what does it hurt of course do i have a natural reaction of course but that skill set always comes up and goes, where's the truth, Kenny? Maybe they have a point. You need to look at that. Cause if you're going to be helping people, you got to like for yourself, mm-hmm. this is also, this is my internal moral and value is it matters to me to face my stuff. Mm-hmm. And so while it doesn't feel good to get those things, it also feels good because then when I see it, like I walk away going, man, I owned it. I, freaking love that about me and so i don't know where that came from Um, well i don't either but i'm glad it was there and you know to me uh you know i I think i do know where it came from and i think that comes from the spiritual reality of our universe and 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 that you're connected to that and i i don't think you can develop true self-esteem apart from spirituality and and, but I think that spirituality is good and it's, and it's committed to our healing and our growth. And, um, and so whatever has happened, you connected somehow and, and, you know, that's all that matters, you know, that puts you in that path. And, um, I, you know, there's two, two things I want, want to bring up, um, before we, we go and I think this probably needs to be how we wrap it up or uh, for today. That works for me. Yeah. Um, one is not everybody came from abuse. Okay. Uh, I'll never forget uh, sitting in the kitchen of a friend of mine here in, here in Colorado, here in Monument where I live. Um, and, and, you know, I've, 
I've been steeped in so much abuse around me. And, and my friend said, you know, uh, not everybody's been abused. And your, your frame of reference is that, you know, there's a criminal waiting right outside the door to, you know, and, and he's right. He, he was right. And I, I was glad he challenged me on that. Um, and however, everybody does grow up in an imperfect world. And, and so, you know, as you said earlier, you know, I, I, I have not been a perfect parent, but I have been a parent that was willing to grow and change and face myself when I didn't know how to parent and, and change, you know, because, you know, when I was 33, I had three teenagers, you know, my son, my, my middle son has a 15 year old and a 13 year old and he's 47. So he's had, you know, what is that? that 14 more years of life experience. And, you know, and that's a concept I constantly am talking about. I say, you know, the only difference between me and you is experience. You know, I've, I've had more years than you have to figure out more things and to fail at more things and to learn about more things, but that's it. You know, my 15 year old granddaughter's brilliant. She thinks she knows everything. She's 15. Okay. She's not, she hasn't learned everything. My 13 year old grandson, he's, he's 13. I thought I knew everything when I was 13. I thought I knew everything when I was 15. I didn't, you know, I, and you only have to be 30 to know what you didn't know when you're or 25. You know? yeah. and, and I'm constantly saying to uh, younger people, um, you know, guys in their twenties, I'm going, you know, developmentally you're on task. You're just not going to be able to be consistent. The, again, that's the difference between you and me. I've lived longer. I've learned how to be more consistent with this stuff. You can't be that consistent at 25. There's too many other things going on. But going back to this idea, my wife says children are wonderful observers, lousy interpreters. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of wisdom in that because, you know, when we, when we talk about child development, you know, and, and, you know, before you're entering into adolescence, you're, you're very egocentric, which means that you think the world evolves around you and that you are the cause of everything. So if your mom and dad have an argument, you think it's you. It's something you did, you know, or if your mom is drunk, you think you caused that. Or if your mom, you know, is mad, whatever, you know, I can't think of a good analogy, but, but, and, and not just your mom, if your dad, I'm not trying to be sexist, moms are wonderful. Today's Mother's Day, and I got the most wonderful little video from a friend today about that that I sent to all the moms in it. But um, uh, the, the reality is we don't have the life experience and the wisdom to interpret in those ages. And so we make up what we think is reality. Okay. And that's not our fault. That's, that's, that's our development. That's just normal development. And we have magical thinking. We think we're a lot more powerful than we are. And we, we make up assumptions about ourselves. And some of those things create this false self. Okay. Of who we are. All right. And, you know, our parents may love us and, and with all their heart and have worked really hard on themselves but they're still imperfect. They're still going to make mistakes. And if I 
came to believe that I had to be perfect for them to be perfect. You hear what I'm going? Then, then trauma has occurred. Okay. And, and, and I now have a distorted view of myself and I have a distorted view of reality. And so then I've got to adapt to that. So how do I accommodate that? Well, and that's how we create these adaptations from, from whether I, you know, uh, you know, I've often talked about, you know, the, this, this concept that, you know, we're taught that we can do anything, not, not overtly, covertly, you know, because many of us grew up in homes where we really, you know, our parents, God bless them, were wanting us to look good so they could look good because they didn't feel good about themselves. Now, who hasn't grown up in that home? Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, are we I talking did. about the ones I, that'll admit it? Or? <laughs> right. Well, I'm telling you that 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 is, I've never not seen that in in, in the years that I've been a professional, but. Um, so, so, you know, once we start adapting, we're no longer in our authentic self and really developmentally, we can't be, we have to be at a place where, uh, we can, uh, we have the power, you know, our parents had the power when we were young, then our friends in high school and in that time period. And then we start becoming adults and, and then we have the power. That's the good news. You know, you can't change your mom or dad or your perpetrator or your friend who doesn't like you, you can now. You have the power. You cha- you can change yourself. There's that. All right. The other thing is, that I'm just speaking to the therapists out there. You know, uh, we live in a world where, you know, we get compensated by insurance companies, and and um, and so, uh, you know, you get on a panel, and you know, there's a hundred people in that panel, insurance says, go to see that person. Okay. Now, the thing that, that I have attempted to do throughout my career and in my life is to take people as far as I've gone. And, and, and I've been able to admit that, you know, there's places I can't take people because I haven't gone there myself, but, but there is a difference in life coaches there is a difference in therapists. And if your therapist can't be self-referencing in, in, in a session. Let them know what I, that means. I don't think a lot of people know what self-referencing means. Well, me, meaning that you're, you, that, that like what we're talking about, we're talking about our lives. This is what therapy is, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, learn, learning to share, you know, our fears and our, our, our failures and, and, and our uh, successes. But, but I mean, there is a distinct difference in my opinion. I, you know, I've been to, I, I, I've been to a guy for EMDR um, because of it happened in my life who was a wonderful EMDR therapist. I mean, he really had all the tools. He was the worst therapist I'd ever been around. And cause you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't share his life with me. You know, he didn't build trust with me in that, regard and he just you know when it came to being a therapist i mean he literally said well you shouldn't feel that way and and i went i'm paying you 275 dollars for you to tell me i shouldn't feel 
the reason that I'm coming here. That's your fix. And I got up and left. And sad that what's so sad is that is so common. I get comments. I get two things. One side of the street is, oh my God, you actually talk about your stuff. Thank you. And then the other side, how unprofessional of you. Yeah, right. And those are those people living behind that wall, in, in my opinion. Yeah, that that I could be totally wrong, and and there is uh, boundaries and uh, limitations on what I'm talking about. Yeah, you've got to be careful with all that. But at the same time, uh, if if you're wanting a way out of this other life, you need to go with somebody who's walked it. You know who will walk with you, not walk away from you or not shame you or not try to, uh, you know, do a technique on you that they learned in graduate school. Yeah. You know, you, you've got, you know, at least for me, intimacy and connection, like, let's face it. Who do you want to be? All of us are vulnerable with somebody we can identify with. And how do we identify with someone? We share stories. We share our experience, strength, and hope. And my God, so I'm not bad? You mean you're this way too? (gasps) Oh, thank God. Right. Yeah, Yeah. during during COVID, you know, our lives have changed. You know, I was stuck in in, in Texas for eight months. uh, And... Um, and you know, my life is living on a computer, you know, you and I started, you know, connecting because of COVID uh, again, because, you know, you just don't have the opportunity to have, you know, thank God I'm vaccinated and I can now enter into, you know, my office again, but I couldn't do that. And, and, and I began to feel depressed, you know, and, and I knew it because I was avoiding it. I didn't want to talk to, you know, with neurofeedback, I do assess a lot of data. And then I try to explain that data to, you know, my, my uh, patients. And, um, and, you know, sometimes the data doesn't look good. And, and, and then I, you know, I found myself being avoidant, you know, where I, I just didn't, I didn't want to talk to that person because they didn't want to give them bad news. And, and I didn't understand why they were having what they were and then blah, blah, blah. And this friend of mine who works for the Amon Clinic in, in California, <clears throat> he called me and, and he said, can we talk? And, and, and I said, yeah. And he said, I need to tell you. He said, I think I'm depressed. And, and he just described word for word my thoughts about you know, the way I was interpreting my environment and, uh, and, you know, and he, as he did, I said, you know what? I said, I've been feeling exactly the same way. And, and that was what you just said when that, that was enough for me to pop out of it, you know, and it was enough for him to know He's not alone. He's not the only one that's feeling this way. Lots of people are feeling this way. Because yeah. It's why I got in touch with you. I said, Mike, I don't have anyone in my life. I'm not dating anyone. My profession makes it difficult to have friends. Right. You know, the, the world, the way it is. I mean, so many factors. I'm isolated on an island. I love talking about my stuff. But the other thing I notice is when I talk about my stuff, unless you want to learn, it's people shun you. Mm-hmm. At, least, at least they shun me. They mm-hmm. get back away. 
whether that's in dating life or anything. So I'm like, I just need someone that I can talk to about stuff that matters to me mm-hmm. and gets me. I need to be heard. I need mm-hmm. to. And so whether it's ta- us talking, you know, concepts about clients or just anything, I just need to know I'm safe and I can be me. And I don't have to wall off or protect because I know if I bring up what, you know, I've had it, it happens a lot. I bring up what I do. People walk away. Mm-hmm. Like I need somewhere I can go where someone isn't going to walk away. Right. You know? And, you know, I, I was just thinking that, you know, I have this, I have a client who's come down from a, a you know, he doesn't live in Colorado and, and, you know, when he got, you know, I just love this guy. He used to be a client here in Colorado and, and he's doing neurofeedback and, part of, you know, kind of doing an intensive setting. And part of that is including talk therapy. And, and, you know, when he got in there, he's just, just, I mean, and, and I'm going, you know, you know what, friend, um, we're going to meet twice a week where you can just talk because you just need to connect with people, you know, and, 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 you know, doesn't cost you a bit more, I just want to give you an avenue where you can connect with somebody and I want it to be me. And, and same thing with you when, when you called to do this, but, but that is so, so important in the therapeutic process, uh, whether you're a life coach or whether you're a therapist that, that you, when, you know, and, and, or whether you're looking for a life coach or a therapist, in my opinion, that it is somebody that, that it knows that you have to be safe. You know, they let, they, you know, young life has this, this concept called winning the right to be heard. Yeah. And, and that's, I've carried that since I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, winning the right to be heard that, that, you know, that is my job as a, as a professional. And that is your job as a professional. Yes. We present concepts and some of these concepts can be life changing and neurofeedback can be life changing. And the MDR can be life changing and, and, and PM Melody and you can be life changing. But bottom line is if we don't have a, a real human connection, we won't change because I mean, we're, you know, of all those obstacles that we've talked about today. Beautifully. So, said. Let's end it right there. That's perfect. All right. Yeah. I, I yeah, and, and by the way, your your apartment is beautifully decorated, and uh, as you can see, I have kind of my studio and a couple of my instruments here. This is this is where I spend a lot of time these days. Is this is my little home office, and I did move my picture over, but I can still see it's not centered on my head. But it doesn't. Well, that's it. We're just going to start so the whole thing and start over because that picture just won't work, Mike. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and. In honor of you, I'll go back to you. Yes, we have to end the show with us both. Gotta have it. Apportioned appropriately, right? And by the way, you look marvelous. (laughs) You really do. And and folks out there, he really is marvelous. This is is, uh, not your average person. This is uh, an exceptional person. Thank you. I, my personal feeling is we're both pretty special. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I love you. I I love you too. too. All right. Let's leave everybody. I appreciate um, you tuning in. I'm glad you got to meet Mike. Um, My hope is that 
you get to see more of Mike and learn more from Mike so we can all grow and become the safe, happy, content people that I believe we all deserve to be and we all want, whether that's as a parent, as a friend, or in a relationship. And so as I always say, as I learned, you can see, I learned from this great man, mm. joy the journey.